Book One, Chapter Five, Part Five of History of the Inquisition of Spain, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Jamie Arango. History of the Inquisition of Spain, Volume One, by Henry Charles Lay. Book One, Chapter Five. THE KINGDOMS OF ARAGON PART Five. With more or less resistance the new Inquisition was thus imposed on the various provinces subject to the crown of Aragon. The pretense put forward to secure its introduction, that it in no way violated the fueros and liberties of the land, was soon dropped, and, as we have seen, it was boldly pronounced to be superior to all law. For a while this was submitted to in silence, but the ever-encroaching arrogance of the officials, their extension of their jurisdiction over matters unconnected with the faith, and their abuse of their irresponsible prerogatives aroused opposition which at length found opportunity for expression. In 1510 the representatives of Aragon, Catalonia, and Valencia were, for the first time, assembled together in the Cortes of Monzon. They came with effusive enthusiasm, stimulated by the conquest of Oran and Algiers, and the desire to retrieve the disaster of Gerbez, and they voted for Ferdinand the unprecedented servicio or tax levy of five hundred thousand libras, obtaining in return the abolition of the Santa Hermandad yet even this enthusiasm did not prevent murmurs of discontent and complaints were made that the inquisition assumed jurisdiction over cases of usury blasphemy bigamy necromancy and the like and that the privileges and exemptions enjoyed by the officials led to their unnecessary multiplication rendering the tribunals oppressive to those who bore the burdens of the state Ferdinand eluded reform by promising it for the future, and the Cortes were dissolved without positive action. When they next met at Monzon in 1512, they were in a less confiding mood, and it is probable that popular agitation must have assumed a threatening aspect, sufficient to compel Ferdinand to yield to their demands. An elaborate series of articles was drawn up, or rather two, one for Aragon and the other for Catalonia, nearly identical in character, which received the royal assent. It is significant that, with the exception of a clause as to appeals, these articles do not concern themselves with the prosecution of hearsay, but are confined to the excesses with which the tribunals and their underlings afflicted the faithful. The reform demanded by Catalonia embraced thirty-four articles, a few of which may serve to suggest the abuses that had grown so rankly. An especial grievance was the multiplication of officials, not only those engaged in the work of the tribunal, but the unsalaried familiars scattered everywhere, and the servants and slaves of all concerned, who all claimed the fuero, or jurisdiction of the Inquisition, with the numerous privileges and exemptions that rendered them a most undesirable element in society it was demanded that the number of familials in catalonia should be reduced by thirty-four whose names should be made known that under the quiz of servants should be included only those actually resident with their masters or employers 
that no one guilty of a grave offense should be appointed to office that the privilege of carrying arms should be restricted to those who bore commissions in default of which they could be disarmed like other citizens that the claim to exemption from local taxes and imposts be abandoned that officials caught flagrant delicto in crime should be subject to arrest by secular officials without subjecting the latter to prosecution that civil suits should be tried by the court of the defendant that the common clause in contracts by which one party subjected himself to whatever court the other might name should be held not to include the inquisition that the rule forbidding officials to engage in trade should be enforced that officials buying claims or property in litigation should not transfer the cases to the inquisition nor use it to collect their rents that inquisitors should not issue safe conducts except to witnesses coming to testify that in cases of confiscation when the convict had been reputed a good christian parties who had brought property from him had paid their debts to him or had redeemed rent charges should not lose the property or be obliged to pay the debts a second time that the dowry of a catholic wife should not be confiscated because her father or husband should be subsequently convicted of heresy that possessions of for thirty years of a by a good catholic should bar conviction of properly formerly owned by those now convicted of heresy and that the inquisitor should not elude this prescription of time by deducting periods of war of minority of ignorance of the fisc and other similar devices that the inquisitors should withdraw their decree prohibiting all dealings with conversos which was not only a serious restraint of trade but involved much danger to individuals acting through ignorance as regards the extension of jurisdiction over subjects unconnected with heresy the inquisition was not in future to take cognizance of usury bigamy blasphemy and sorcery except in cases inferring erroneous belief remaining under excommunication for a year involves suspicion of heresy and the edict of faith required the denunciation of all such cases to the inquisition but as there were innumerable decrees of ipso facto excommunications and others which were privately issued it was impossible to know who was or was not under the ban wherefore the tribunal was not to take action except in cases where the censure had been publicly announced the extent to which the inquisitors had carried their arbitrary assumption of authority is indicated by an article forbidding them in the future from interfering with the disputados of catalonia or their officials in matters pertaining to their functions and the rights of the state and in the imposts of the cities towns and villages the only reform proposed as to the procedure in an article providing that appeals may lie from the local tribunal to the inquisitor-general and suprema with suspension of sentences until they are heard but there is a hideous suggestiveness in the provision that when perjured testimony had led to the execution of an innocent man the inquisitor shall do justice and shall not prevent the king from punishing the false witnesses the independence of the inquisition as an imperium in imperio is exhibited in the fact that its acceptance was deemed necessary to each individual article an acceptance expressed by the subscription to each of plau a su revendisme senora 
the Senoria being that of Inquisitor General Enguera, to confirm this he and the inquisitors were required to swear in a manner exhibiting the profound distrust entertained of them the oath was to observe each and every article it was to be taken as a public act before a notary of the inquisition who was to attest it officially and deliver it to the president of the cortes the authentic copies were to be supplied at the price of five sueldos to all demanding them. All future inquisitors, whether general or local, were to take the same oath on assuming office, and all this was repeated in various formulas so as to leave no loophole or equivocation. Ferdinand also took an oath promising to obtain from the Pope orders that all inquisitors, present and future, should observe the articles, and also that, whenever requested by the Cortes, the Diputados of the, or the Councillors of Barcelona, he would issue the necessary letters and provisions for their enforcement. This was the first of the agreements which became known as Concordias, adjustments between the popular demands and the claims of the Holy Office we shall have frequent occasion to hear of them in the future for they were often broken and renewed and fresh sources of quarrel were never lacking the present one was not granted without a binding consideration for the tribunal of barcelona was granted six hundred libras a year secured upon the public revenues if the catalans distrusted the good faith of king and inquisitor-general they were not without justification for the elaborate apparatus of oaths proved a flimsy restraint on those who would endure no limitation on their arbitrary and irresponsible authority at first ferdinand manifested a desire to uphold the concordia and to retain the inquisitors who commenced at once to violate it the city of perpignan complained that the prescription of time was disregarded and that the duplicate payment of old debts was demanded whereupon ferdinand wrote october twenty fourth fifteen twelve sharply ordering the strict observance of the terms agreed upon and the revocation of any acts contravening them before long however his policy changed and he sought relief for potentates who desired to commit a deliberate breach of faith there was always the resource of the authority of the holy see which among its miscellaneous attributes had long assumed that of releasing from inconvenient engagements those who could command its favor and ferdinand's power in italy was too great to permit of the refusal of so trifling a request accordingly on april thirtieth fifteen thirteen leo x issued a motto proprio dispensing ferdinand and bishop unguera from their oaths to observe the concordia of monzon the popular demands however had been too emphatically asserted to be altogether ignored and an attempt was made to satisfy them by a series of instructions drawn up under date of august twenty eighth fifteen fourteen by bishop louis mercado of tortosa who had succeeded unguera as inquisitor-general these comprised many of the reforms in the concordia modified somewhat to suit inquisitorial views as for instance the number of armed familials permitted for barcelona was twenty-five and ten each for other cities from Valladolid, September 10th, Ferdinand dispatched these instructions by Fernando de Montemayor, archdeacon of Malmazan, who was going to Barcelona as visitor or inspector of the tribunal. It was not until December 11th that they were read in Barcelona in presence of the inquisitors and of representatives of Catalonia.
The letter demanded time for their consideration, and a copy was given to them. Another meeting was held, January 10th, 1515, and a third on January 25th, in which the instructions were published and the inquisitors promised to obey them. There is no record that the Catalans accepted them as fulfillment of the Concordia, and, if they were asked to do so, it was merely as a matter of policy. In a letter of January 4th to the Archdeacon, Ferdinand assumed, assumes that the assent of the Catalans was a matter of indifference. The instructions were to be published without further parley, and no reference to Rome was requisite as the privileges of the Inquisition were not curtailed by them. Subsequent Cortes were held at Monzon and Lerida, where the popular dissatisfaction found expression in further complaints and demands, leading to some concessions on the part of Ferdinand. The temper of the people was rising, and manifested itself in occasional assaults, sometimes fatal, on inquisitorial officials, to facilitate the punishment of which Leo X, by a brief of January 28, 1515, authorized inquisitors to try such delinquents and hand them over to the secular arm for execution, without incurring the irregularity consequent of judgments of blood. Ferdinand was too shrewd to provoke his subjects too far. He recognized that the overbearing arrogance of the inquisitors and their illegal extension of their authority gave great offense, even to the well-affected, and he was ready to curb their petulance. A case occurring in May 1515 was, shows how justifiable were the popular complaints, and gave him opportunity to administer a severe rebuke. It was the law in Aragon that, when the diputados appointed any one as lieutenant to the justicia, if he refused to serve, they were to remove his name from the list of those eligible to public office. A certain Miser Manuel, so appointed, refused to serve, and to escape the penalty procured from the inquisitors of Saragossa, letters prohibiting, under pain of excommunication, the diputados from striking off his name this arbitrary interference with public affairs gave great offence and ferdinand sharply told the inquisitors not to meddle with matters that in no way concerned their office the diputados were under oath to execute the law and the letters must be at once revoked finally he recognized that the demands of the cortes of monzon had been justified and that he had done wrong in violating the concordia of fifteen twelve one of his latest acts was a cedula of december twenty fourth fifteen fifteen announcing to the inquisitors that he had applied to the holy see for confirmation of the agreements made and sworn to in the cortes of monzon and lerida there was no doubt that this would speedily be granted wherefore he straightly commanded under pain of forfeiture of office that the articles must not be violated in any manner direct or indirect but must be observed to the letter the inquisitor-general had agreed to this and would swear to comply with the bull when it should come ferdinand died january twenty third fifteen sixteen followed in june by inquisitor-general mercader leo x probably waited to learn whether the new monarch charles desired to continue the policy of his grandfather it is true that he had dispensed ferdinand and ungera from their oaths in view of the great offence to god and danger to, cons to conscience involved in the observance of the concordia but a word from the monarch was sufficient to overcome his scruples 
what ferdinand had felt it necessary to concede could not be withheld when in the youth and absence of charles his representatives could scarce repress the turbulent elements of civil discord accordingly leo confirmed all of the articles of both the catalan and aragonese concordias by the pulp pastorales offici august first fifteen sixteen in which he declared that the officials of the inquisition frequently transgressed the bounds of reason and propriety in their abuse of their privileges immunities and exemptions and that their overgrown numbers reduced almost to nullity the jurisdiction of the ordinary ecclesiastical and secular courts this action he says is taken as the especial prayer of king charles and queen juana and all inquisitors and officials contravening its prescriptions if they do not within three days after summons revoke their unlawful acts are subject to excommunication lato sentio deprivation of office and perpetual disability for re-employment ipso facto moreover the archbishops of saragossa and tarragona were authorized and required whenever called upon by the authorities to compel the observance of the bull by ecclesiastical censures and other remedies without appeal invoking if necessary the secular arm thus after four years of struggle the concordias of fifteen twelve were confirmed in the most absolute manner and the relations between the inquisition and the people appeared to be permanently settled the inquisitors however as usual refused to be bound by any limitations they claimed and acted on the claim that the papal bull of confirmation was surreptitious and not entitled to obedience and that both the concordias and the instructions of bishop mercader were invalid as being restrictions impeding the jurisdiction of the holy office on the other hand the people grew more restive and increased their demands for relief the occasion presented itself when charles came to spain to assume possession of his mother's dominions at cortes held in saragossa may fifteenth eighteen he received the allegiance of aragon and swore to observe the fueros of the cortes of saragossa tarazona and monzon money was soon wanted to supply the reckless liberality with which he filled the pouches of his greedy flemings and towards the end of the year he summoned another assembly to grant him a subsidio it agreed to raise two hundred thousand libras but coupled with this this with a series of thirty-one articles much more advanced than anything hitherto demanded in aragon in fact copied with little change from those agreed to in castile by juan lesave and abandoned in consequence of his death articles which revolutionized inquisitorial procedure and assimilated it to that of secular criminal courts charles in these matters was now wholly under the influence of his former tutor and present inquisitor-general cardinal adrian he wanted the money however and he had gave an equivocal consent to the articles it was he said his will that in each and all the holy canons should be observed with the decrees of the holy see and without attempting anything to the contrary if doubts arose the pope should be asked to decide them if any one desired to accuse inquisitors or officials he could do so before the inquisitor-general who would call in counsellors and administer justice or if the crime pertained to the secular courts he would see that justice was speedy this declaration with the interpretation to be put on each and every article by the pope he promised under oath to observe and enforce and he further swore not to seek dispensation from this oath or to avail himself of it obtained 
The people were amply justified in distrusting the rulers, for Charles subsequently instructed the court of Cifuentes, his ambassador at Rome, to procure the revocation of the articles and a dispensation from his oath to observe them. Charles had thus shuffled off from his shoulders to those of the Pope the responsibility for this grave alteration to inquisitorial procedure, which, by forcing the Holy Office to administer open justice, would have diminished so greatly its powers of evil the question was thus transferred to rome and the cortes lost no time in seeking it and to obtain from leo x the confirmation of the articles a letter requesting this was procured from charles and was forwarded to rome with a copy of the articles and of charles's oath officially authenticated by juan pratt the notary of the cortes the papers were sent to rome by a certain diego de la casas a converso of seville who as his subsequent history shows must have been amply provided with the funds necessary to secure a favorable hearing the situation was one which called for active measures on the part of the inquisition the cortes dissolved january seventeenth fifteen nineteen and a letter of the twenty second from the suprema to the inquisitor of calatayud shows that already steps had been taken to prosecute all who had endeavored to influence them against the inquisition or who had complaints to charles or adrian a more effective and bolder scheme was to accuse juan prat of having falsified the series of articles sent to rome charles had appointed a commission consisting of the archbishop of saragossa cardinal adrian and chancellor gatinara to consider all matters connected with the inquisition to them pratt had submitted the articles which they returned to him with a declaration which must have been an approval as its character was seriously suppressed in the subsequent proceedings notwithstanding this the saragossa inquisitors pedro albrues and torbidio saldana promptly reported to charles who had left saragossa for barcelona that pratt had falsified the articles and charles from igualada february fourth replied ordering them to obey the instructions of cardinal adrian and collect evidence as to the falsifications which they claimed to have discovered they postponed action however for some weeks until the archbishop had left the city and did not arrest pratt until march sixteenth their investigation revealed some trivial irregularities but nothing to invalidate the accuracy of the articles transmitted to rome yet on the eighteenth they communicated to the suprema the results of their labors as though the whole record was vitiated and pratt had been guilty of falsification a way thus was opened to escape from the engagements entered into with the cortes a series of articles was drawn up signed by Catinara, which was sent to rome as the genuine one and urgent letters were dispatched april thirtieth to all the roman agents the pope and four of the cardinals in the spanish interest stating that the official copy was falsified the genuine one that was that bearing Gatinara's name the honor of god was involved and the safety of the catholic faith and no effort was to be spared to secure the papal confirmation to the right articles to justify this it was necessary that pratt should be convicted and punished apparently fearing that this could not be accomplished in saragossa cardinal adrian ordered the inquisitors to send him to barcelona for trial in ignorance that this was in violation of one of the dearest of the aragonese privileges forbidding the deportation of any citizen against his will 
This aroused a storm, and the leading officials of church and state interposed so effectually with the inquisitors that Pratt was allowed to remain in the secret prison of the Alfajeria. The quarrel was now assuming serious proportions. Not only was the kingdom aflame with this attempted violation of its privileges, but it was universally believed that Charles had granted all of the demands of the Cortes in return for the servicio, and his interference with the papal confirmation was bitterly resented the diputados summoned the inquisitors to obey the concordia fifteen twelve as confirmed by the bull of august first fifteen sixteen while awaiting confirmation of the new concordia and at the same time they called the barons and magnates of the realm to a conference at fuentes whence on may ninth they sent to charles a remonstrance more emphatic than respectful with an intimation that the servicio would not be collected until pratt should be released the pretext being that the papers related to it were in his office to this charles responded lawfully may seventeenth that no personal interest would be neglected his soul and conscience nor to preserve his kingdom would he allow anything against the honor of god and to the determinant of the holy office under threat of excommunication and other severe penalties he ordered the diputados not to convoke the estates of the realm or to send envoys to him he would comply with the concordia and had already asked its confirmation of the pope the fact being that he had on may seventh written to rome and this he repeated may twenty ninth to impede the confirmation of the official concordia and to urge that of his own version there was a rumor that the estates on may fourteenth had resolved to take pratt from the alfajeria by force and to meet this on may seventeenth he sent the comedor garcia de loesa to saragossa with instructions to arm the cofradia of san pedro martir an association connected with the inquisition to raise the people and to meet force with force the authorities were to be bullied and told that the king would assert his sovereign authority and that nothing should prevent the extradition of pratt in the hands of his ghostly advisers he was prepared to risk civil war in deference to the abuses of the inquisition there was fear that the inquisitors might be intimidated into releasing pratt and carnal adrian took the unprecedented step of writing directly to the goeller of the alfajeria instructing him to disobey any such orders in spite of this assertion of absolutism, Charles's orders were treated with contempt. The Cortes met Azugada, refused to obey his angry commands to disperse, and sent him to Don Sancho de la Caballera with the unpleasant message that the servicio would be withheld until he should grant justice to the kingdom. His finances, in the hands of his Flemish favorites, were in complete disorder. The Emperor Maximilian had died January 22nd, and the contest for the succession against the gold of Francis I was expensive. Moreover, in expectation of the servicio, Chiverez had obtained advances at usurious interest so that the expected funds were already nearly exhausted and as soon as the electoral struggle ended in charles's nomination june twenty eighth there came fresh demands for funds to prepare for his voyage to assume his new dignity Chieverez therefore eagerly sought for some compromise to relieve the deadlock but the aragonese on the one hand and the cardinal adrian on the other were intractable the high-handed arrest of Pratt had fatally complicated the situation.
Charles yielded in so far as to order that Pratt should not be removed from the kingdom, and several tentative propositions were made as to the trial of Pratt, which only show how little he and his advisers realized the true condition of affairs. With wanted Argonne's tenacity, the diputados adhered to the to the position that the accuracy of the record should not be called in question and that the only point to be determined was whether the inquisition rightfully had any jurisdiction in the matter at the same time to show they were not seeking to elude payment of the servicio they agreed on september seventh to levy it at the same time begging charles to release pratt they were probably led to make this concession by a victory which they had gained in rome both sides had been vigorously at work there, but the Argonais had the advantage that Leo X at the moment was incensed against the Spanish Inquisition because of the insolent insubordination of the Toledo Tribunal in the case of Bernardino Diaz, of which more hereafter. His own experience showed him of what it was capable, and the request of the Cortes for the confirmation of the Concordia was to a great extent granted by three briefs, received August 1st, addressed respectfully to the king, to Cardinal Adrian, and to the Inquisition of Saragossa, reducing the Inquisition to the rules of the common law. Charles did not allow the briefs to be published, and, when the diputados presented to the inquisitors the one addressed to them, they refused to obey it without instructions from Adrian, whereupon, on August 8th, the diputados applied to Rome for some further remedy. End of Book 1, Chapter 5, Part 5 Recorded by Jamie Arango